Welcome to River City 360 Views and News from Around Winnipeg. I'm your host, Nolan Bicknell. RC360 is a new show every Sunday morning at 8.30 right here on CJNU. A project of the Winnipeg Foundation, we provide views and news from around Winnipeg every single week. Sharing stories that matter to our community is our promise to you, our listeners. We're able to bring you this weekly show thanks to our partners at Community News Commons and CJNU 93.7 FM. So thanks for listening. We're continuing our coverage of Nutrition Month, and boy, have we got an incredible show this week. Uh, Our first guest today is New York Times bestselling author and Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative reporter Michael Moss. Robert Zirk is going to talk to him about his bestselling book, Salt, Sugar, Fat. Uh, And later in the show, we're joined in studio by Marie Bouchard, Community Grants Associate at the Winnipeg Foundation. We'll be talking to her about a great initiative called Nourishing Potential. And as always, we'll be joined by Noah Ehrenberg of Community News Commons, who took to the streets this week to ask people, uh, the people of Winnipeg, how important it is to eat a nutritional meal. All this and some great old school music right here on River City 360. And now we're joined in studio by senior producer of River City 360, Robert Zurich. Robert, thanks for sitting down with us. Happy to be here. So you got the privilege of speaking with a uh, New York Times bestselling author and Pulitzer Prize award-winning investigative journalist, uh, Michael Moss, this week. How cool was that? That was awesome. Um, Having read his book, which is called Salt, Sugar, Fat, How the Food Giants Hooked Us, um, it was really, really interesting. He had a lot of insights from... Uh, the research that he did regarding um, the processed food companies and and how their activities affect our daily lives. Right. So this is going to be part one out of a two-part interview because you spoke with him at at, at length and there was so much great stuff in there. So uh, next week they can uh, our our readers can our listeners, pardon me, can tune in eight thirty in the morning uh, to listen to part two. But what exactly did you guys talk about uh, during in part one? Well, um, when you say the words salt, sugar, fat, the first thing that comes to mind are three things that we should be eating less of. Mm -hmm. But what's really surprising is just how ubiquitous these ingredients are in our food and why they're there. And so um, in his book, Michael went behind the scenes in the food industry to talk about some of the science behind processed foods. And we also discussed what you need to know on your next trip to the grocery store. Great. I can't wait to hear this interview. It sounds incredible. But first, why don't we why don't we make today's episodes since we're talking about salt, sugar, fat? Let's make the music on today's episode. Exactly that, Salt, Sugar, Fat. So what's our first song coming up? Our first song, we've got Sammy Davis Jr. with Salt and Pepper. You're listening to River City 360. You and I are salt and pepper. You and I are eggs and bacon. And unless I'm much mistaken, we're coffee and cream. We would seem to be sky and sunshine We need both to make either one shine You can't name a famous duo To compare with me and you Oh, you and I are great together So we face our fate together So in tune they'll wonder Whether we're Rogers and Hart If we part there will be no show, sir but together there are no two close or no sir. We blend like chocolate and malt, salt and pepper. Yeah, pepper and salt. Salt and pepper. 
fate together So we face our fate together So in tune they'll wonder Whether we're Rogers and Hart If we part there will be no show, sir But together there are no two closer, no, sir We blend like chocolate and more That was Sammy Davis Jr. with Salt and Pepper. And now coming up, the much-awaited interview that Robert Zirk had with Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative journalist Michael Moss. You're listening to River City 360. Michael, thanks so much for joining us today. First of all, what do people need to be aware of when it comes to the foods that they eat? The main thing is that when you walk into the grocery store to shop, Everything about that store, about the foods, especially the packaged goods, you know, is designed to kind of get you off your shopping list and make impulsive purchase decisions. That's one thing. Two, the companies, and while I don't see this industry as this evil empire that intentionally set out to make us overweight or ill, problem is they are companies doing what all companies want to do, which is to make as much money as possible by selling as much product as possible. And they spend their waking hours doing everything they can to get us to not just like their products, but want more and more of them. And thirdly, the problem lies in sort of their own deep dependence on using lots and lots of salt, sugar, fat to make their products low-cost, convenient, and utterly irresistible. And, And that is the force you are reckoning with when you walk into the grocery store or go to a restaurant. Even if you're meaning to do well by your health or your family's health, you're up against incredible forces of genius who have other designs on your eating habits. There's no denying how the packaging relates to the overall marketing and people making those impulsive decisions, as you say. In the United States, companies are arguing freedom of speech in relation to the possibility of packaging laws and and changing the regulation on disclosing what's in the food. Could you tell us about some of the developments in that area? Yes, and by the way, too, I've done some research on the tricks and the tactics that companies use in labeling. And if people want to go to my website, michaelmossbooks.com, I'll send them kind of my guide to shopping and reading labels to avoid sort of falling into those traps. You're absolutely right. There are fights going on globally to require companies to disclose more of their ingredients from a health perspective in those sort of fine print thing we call the nutrition facts, which is typically on the back side or the side of a package. In the U.S., one of the biggest battles is over 
sugar limits, because now when you look at that fax box, it'll tell you what percentage of saturated fat you're getting and what percentage of the recommended amount of sodium salt you're getting, but it won't tell you what percentage of a recommended amount of sugar you are getting, which is one of the biggest battlegrounds coming up as people fight and push the government to set a recommended amount, daily amount, for sugar. But here's the thing. By far the most valuable real estate, if you will, on the package is the front of the package. And that's where the companies put their best foot forward and tout what they feel are the best aspects of their product. So you'll see things like natural, which means absolutely nothing, by the way, or, you know, added calcium or less fat or salt, hoping that that information will satisfy consumers so they don't flip the package over and look at the fine print, where often the news is quite grim by comparison. As we find out in salt, sugar, fat, there's a lot of science that goes into the processing of foods, but it's not always with consumers' best interests as the number one thing in mind. Why do you think these companies conduct so much research into augmenting the taste instead of working to kind of invest those efforts into making a product that is more healthful? Well, I think until now, these companies have been driven by one thing, sales. And you have to realize that increasingly since the 1980s, and this does track the obesity epidemic in this country, increasingly they came under pressure from Wall Street, which became enamored by tech stocks. And when that happened, analysts and investors turned to blue chip companies, including food companies, and basically said, what have you done for us lately? That put sort of enormous pressure on these food companies not to spend time and research money developing say, healthier products, but rather to spend time and shorter amounts of time and less money just kind of like repackaging or tinkering with or just tweaking their proven brands. I think that is changing now, and I think in the last month we saw staggeringly bleak sales reports from many of the largest food manufacturers some of them speaking quite frankly about what's going on, including the CEO of Campbell's Soup, who said we are losing the trust of our consumers who want healthier products. And I think what you're starting to see now is an industry that is waking up to this sort of grim situation where having hooked itself on salt, sugar, fat is facing the prospect of how do we get things like vegetables into our products? That was Michael Moss. He is the author of Salt, Sugar, Fat, How the Food Giants Hooked Us. If you're interested in learning more, you can visit his website at michaelmossbooks.com, and we'll have a link to it on our website as well. That was part one of the two-part interview that uh, you had with Michael Moss, Robert. So uh, what exactly did you guys talk about in part two? Yeah, in uh, the second part of the interview, we'll find out what happens when you eat these processed foods without the salt and what you can do as a consumer to make healthier choices. So, um, yeah, be sure to tune in next week. You won't want to miss it. Can't wait. Um, So for song two of our salt, sugar, fat, three-song trifecta, what did you bring for us this week? We've got uh, Nat King Cole with When My Sugar Walks Down the Street right here on River City 360. When my sugar walks down the street 
All the little birdies go tweet, tweet, tweet And in the evening when the sun goes down It's never dark when she's around She's so affectionate and I'll say this That when she kisses me I sure stay kissed Cause when my sugar walks down the street The little birdies go tweet, tweet, tweet You're listening to River City 360. We are now joined in studio by, by Marie Bouchard, Community Grants Associate at the Winnipeg Foundation. Marie, thank you very much for uh, sitting down with us. Thank you for having me, Nolan. So March is Nutrition Month, and we want to talk about an, an initiative at the foundation called Nourishing Potential. Um, Nourishing Potential is an initiative of the Winnipeg Foundation, and the program supports local organizations that provide healthy food and hands-on nutrition for and education for youth. Is that right? That's right, Nolan. Perfect. So some context about Nourishing Potential. Can you tell us approximately how many grants have been made since the program sort of opened up four years ago? Yes, uh, it started in 2011. And since that time, we've made 118 grants for a total of $769,000. Yes, that buys a lot of food. No kidding. And, uh, other things. So it covers, like you said, food, but then there's equipment and training and what else, what, what, what exactly do the, the, the grants do for, for the community, basically? Well, when we designed this program, we met with community organizations and they encouraged us to design a holistic program where um, we would provide funding and support not only for food, but also for equipment and for food uh, training, food handlers training and nutrition education. So they wanted something very comprehensive because you can have food, but if you don't know how to cook, then you're not much further ahead. It's kind of getting at the very root of, you know, nutritional problems or any sort of nutrition related illnesses. If you're not, if you don't know how to prepare it, you can, it's sort of like if you give a man a fish they eat for a day, but teach someone how to prepare the fish. Exactly. And that's the way to do it. Um, so there's probably, like you said, 100, 118 grants, was yes. it? Yes. What, what are some of the most noteworthy grants in, in, since the program was uh, conceived? 
Well, there are so many that I could um, mention to you, but I just want to start with Spence Neighborhood Association. Uh, they were um, one of the first groups that we made a grant to, and it was such a compelling um, request that they made to us because we learned that they feed 100 kids per night, Monday to Friday, every week of the year. Really? So quite phenomenal. First, how do you feed 100 kids? And secondly, where are all these kids coming from? So we learned a lot from that experience. We learned that children don't go home after school anymore. They go to the local community center, which is where Spence Neighborhood Association delivers its programming. Uh, the kids arrive there after school. They're hungry and restless uh, in terms of participating in programming. So uh, Spence Neighborhood was very uh, smart, and like many organizations, they learned that you have to feed the kids first, and then they're ready to go in terms of programming. For sure. Um, so why, um, we've, we've kind of already talked about it a little bit, but why is Nourishing Potential an important initiative uh, for our city? Well, two things. Um, first of all, we know that Manitoba always hovers near the top of the scale when it comes to child poverty. And that's not a position that we want to be in, nor one that we can ignore. So by um, focusing on after-school programming, uh, it does certainly help to get children through to the next uh, phase of the day, right? So in school, they sometimes have food there or they have their lunches, but between 3.30 and 6 or 7 o'clock when they go home, uh, there's nothing there for them. So we wanted to fill that gap. And secondly, um, I think that in terms of the, the foundation, we see children as the future, and we do want to have a vibrant population that uh, will have a, a rich life. We want these kids to, to literally uh, fulfill their potential. And it's sort of, uh, it, it's a smart investment to make because they are literally the future of our city. And, and if they're going hungry throughout a night or throughout the day, then they're not going to be able to fill that potential. That's right. Um, so where can our listeners go if they want to find out more about Nourishing Potential or support uh, this great fund? They can visit our website at www.wpgfdn.org and they'll find the information there under special initiatives. Awesome. Thank you very much, Marie Bouchard, the Community Grants Associate at the Winnipeg Foundation. Thanks for taking the time to uh, talk to us today. My pleasure, Nolan. Coming up after the musical break, Noah Ehrenberg of Community News Commons joins us in studio with continued coverage of Nutrition Month. But first, here's Fats Domino with Whole Lot of Lovin'. You're listening to River City 360. I got a whole lot of lovin' for you, true, true lovin' for you, and a whole lot of lovin' for you. I got a whole lot for you, a whole lot for you, and a whole lot of kisses for you. I got a whole lot to do. Whole lot of to do come so glad to see you. I'm gonna hold 
I'm so glad to see you You are listening to River City 360, and joining us now, as he does every week here on RC360, is Noah Ehrenberg, uh, the convener of Community News Commons, a citizen journalism project supported by the Winnipeg Foundation. Welcome to the show, Noah. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, uh, what do you have for us this week on your uh, weekly roundup? Well, as you know, I usually review some of the multimedia stories that citizen reporters have been publishing on CNC. Uh, which our listeners can find, by the way, online at cncwpg.org, or they can just Google Community News Commons. But this week I thought we would do something a bit different. Okay. And because our theme this month on River City 360 is nutrition, as March is Nutrition Month, I ventured into the streets of our neighborhoods to find out what people in our community think that what would constitute a healthy meal. Okay. Yeah, and whether or not they get that type of meal for themselves and for their families. Uh, Probably good you didn't ask me that because I'm not (laughs) typically the most healthy of individuals. But what what kind of answers did you get? Well, I got some uh, very interesting answers. I also wanted to understand why so many people think it's critical for children Mm -hmm. to eat a healthy meal as part of their day. So here's what I discovered. I'm wondering if you had two minutes to tell me what you would consider a nutritious meal. Not this. (laughs) Not that? (laughs) <laughs> not not my McDonald's french fries. This is a treat. Okay. But I do consider a nutritious meal to be a well-balanced plate. So that meaning, you know, to have at least three quarters of my plate, my vegetables, which I'm a big vegetable fan, so that's easy for me. And my protein, small portion of protein, and a small carb. Could be a rice, potato, pasta. Those are the things I like. So I think for me, that's that's a healthy meal. Well, I would say veggies and fruit and protein, fish or meat. Just like a well-balanced meal with your veggies, fruits, grains, protein. Well, it has to be a lot of vegetables. I think there's, they say there should be like three quarters vegetables and then the rest is either, either meat, a protein or a carbohydrate like rice or potatoes. Not or, fried. No fried food. Well, with meat, vegetables, and some carbs, and a little bit of fruit, I guess. A good combination of everything. Um, Salad. (laughs) And that's it. Really? Yeah, just salad. You can't eat anything else. How often would you be able to do that for yourself? Well, you know, I like to cheat sometimes. You know, like Fridays are cheat days where you can go for pizza. But regularly, I like to do it consistently all through the week. And once a month? <laughs> Not very often. I think it's uh, probably just too busy. And you probably and I don't always have everything that I need at home. Sometimes I, I'm out of vegetables, so it's just you end up eating a protein and a, too much of a carbohydrate instead. For me, it's quite often every day. I try to be healthy. Yeah. How important do you think it is for children to get a healthy meal every day? My parents never taught me. I taught myself, and I think it'd be a, like an advantage if I knew how to cook when I was younger. Nothing upsets me more than seeing a baby in a stroller eating french fries with Pepsi in their bottle. Of course, that's very important. That will establish their eating habits for their lifetime. My day, it doesn't go right until I eat. I can't focus because I'm hungry. And if when I'm hungry, if I don't eat soon enough, then you end up with the headache. It's just hard to focus. So I think if I feel like that as an adult, 
Well, it just saddens me to think of any child going hungry for any meal in the day, but most especially breakfast. You know, how they're supposed to concentrate to learn to get that good education if they're focused on the growling of the tummy. That makes me sad. I hope to, I hope I paid more attention when my kids were younger <laughs> yeah, than I do now. Young. They have to learn young to, to eat healthy. Fantastic. I love that first girl who, right. uh, was she actually eating French fries? <laughs> she sure was. <laughs> Brilliant. Perfect. Like, I'm sure she appreciated that too. Right? <laughs> but she had some very interesting things to say. Three quarters vegetables on a plate. Yeah, right? I had never heard that before. Yeah, the three well, quarter vegetable rule. Yeah, vegetables are majorly I'm lucky important. to get a one quarter of my plate with vegetables. But. Yeah. Well, you know, people, they like to eat and they like yeah. to talk about f- the food that they eat. But it's a very interesting conversation, that's for sure. Well, uh, thanks for bringing that to our attention. That was very cool. Um, is Where can our listeners go if they want to be more engaged with CNC or if they want to talk about nutrition or write about nutrition or something? For sure. Maybe our listeners want to write about food or about eating healthy or anything else for that matter. There's so many ideas to write stories about and uh, CNC uh, will help you tell those stories. You just go to uh, cncwpg.org or Google Community News Commons. You can register uh, to be a citizen reporter and you can begin your um, multimedia uh, writing an article, take some photos, record some audio, even some video, and you submit the story to the site. And as the editorial mentor, I'll help you tell that story. So you can contact me. Uh, you can call me here at the foundation, 204-944-9474. And you can ask for NOAA at extension 242. You can send me an email. Uh, or you can just, uh, like I say, submit the story and uh, I can edit it and we can put it on the site. Uh, and the viewers or uh, listeners might also want to just go to the site and maybe even submit a photo of the day. Uh, if they take a nice photo, they can do that. And, um, you know, they can um, uh, also answer our monthly uh, poll question, which is uh, always an interesting question on CNC. Um, or they can even listen to the daily news podcast that Roger Curry puts up on our there's, site. Every, yeah, there's, uh, there's tons of content, but the thing is about citizen journalism is you can you can talk about whatever story you want and you'll be able, you as the convener will be able to help edit them and shape the story exactly how it should be precisely like i always say there's no such thing as a boring story just a boring storyteller exactly. and so well, i'm here to make you a very interesting storyteller you and every, anyone else that wants to do it uh, cnc it's uh, participatory journalism at its best fantastic so you can visit www.cncwpg.org That's it for this week's episode. Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, please visit rivercity360.org to listen to all of our past episodes, interviews, and features. And don't forget to tune in next week for part two of Robert Zirk's great interview with Michael Moss, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist and best-selling author of the book Salt, Sugar, Fat. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week bright and early. River City 360 is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation, in partnership with Community News Commons and CJNU 93.7 FM.